0: Well, let's take our Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter 2. All right, Luke chapter 2 this morning is where we'll be. And will be, we'll be, actually I'll just read the first 20 verses of this portion of Scripture. And it's typically what's been called the Christmas story. And it's of Jesus' birth. I'm thankful that our Savior came, aren't you? I think we have a Savior. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, in case you don't know. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that He came. But let's take a look at that this morning in Luke chapter number 2. And uh, let's look at this text. Let's start in verse number 1, and we'll read down to verse number 20, all right? The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And his taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. "'because he was of the house and lineage of David, "'to be taxed with Mary, his espouse wife, "'being great with child. "'And so it was that while they were there, "'the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. "'And she brought forth her firstborn son, "'wrapped him in swaddling clothes, "'laid him in a manger, "'because there was no room for them in the inn. "'And there was in the same country "'shepherds abiding in the field, "'keeping watch over their flock by night.' and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, and when they had seen it. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto, unto them. Now as we read this, this portion of scripture, this, listen, this historic moment in history... About the birth of our Savior, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed every time. It puts me in great wonderment, it puts me in great awe, and I get excited and everything else that comes along with that, because as we see this portion of Scripture, I want you to know something this morning. We see the very hand of God in every single detail surrounding the birth of Of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can even see the detail of even the the governor himself of Caesar Augustus. He was the ruler at, at this at this time, in this area at least. And but we see that God's hand was even in his life. And you say, Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Was Caesar Augustus a godly man? Nah, not really. Not at all. A lot of these Caesars were not godly whatsoever, very wicked rulers during this time. But understand he was in charge. In a physical sense. But really even when you see his life. And you read about Caesar Augustus here. We understand that God used him. To bring about a, a decree. Or an edict. To move Joseph and Mary. Some 80 miles from Nazareth. To Bethlehem. Why? Well the scripture says to be taxed. That's why he wanted people back in their hometown. To get money. Typical government anyway. But that's why he wanted it there. right? But why God wanted them there was this. To fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. To fulfill Scripture itself. Because it was in Bethlehem that the Savior of the world would be born. Remember what the Bible says in Micah 5.2. But thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and from Everlasting. That's the whole reason, listen, no matter who the kings or the rulers or the presidents are, never forget that it's God who is really in control. God rules, and he overrules. Never, never forget that. Listen, you can see the hand of God even in the life of this man. And then you can see God's hand even when you see the angels appearing unto the shepherds. And I'm trying to even imagine with my sanctified imagination being one of these guys when Suddenly, when out of nowhere, when they least expect it kind of thing, the angel of the Lord, the Bible says, came upon them. And it said this, for unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What news this would have been. I mean, exciting news to hear from heaven once again. And the news was this, that your Messiah, the Christ, is finally here. Your king, your long-awaited king is here. Your savior has come. He's not come just for the religious people. He's not come for the priests. He's not come for the rulers. No, the angel makes it very clear who he came for, who is for all, for all people. This would have been great news. So no wonder these these shepherds, as the Bible says, made haste, meaning they ran as fast as they possibly could to see the king, to see the Messiah, to see the Lord Jesus. And I love their eagerness uh, there as well as they made haste to see, to see the Lord. But we can see God's hand in every bit of this amazing historic event. And it would have been amazing to be a part of. I mean, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? And been with the shepherds and see the heavenly choir come out of heaven and, and exclaim that the Messiah is here. I mean, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? About seven? Okay, there's more, 20 of you. Great, okay. Just make sure you're with me, this morning. It'd have been amazing to be there. Love to have experienced that and to see it. I never would have wanna miss that, you know. But as I read this, this historic event, I understand though some didn't miss it there were still some who did there were some who missed out on this opportunity to see the birth of Jesus Christ they missed out listen they missed out on Christ that first christmas that first christmas season and i'm here to tell you this morning don't miss him don't miss him today Don't miss him this Christmas season. In the midst of the lights and the festivities, in the midst of giving gifts, in the midst of gathering with family, even in the midst of a great Christmas play like these kids and Cass did, even in the midst of all of that, please, I'm begging you, don't miss him. Don't miss Jesus because, listen, even this first Christmas season, there were some... Sadly, who did? Look at verse number 7. Luke chapter 2, verse number 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. This tells him there's some that missed him. Now understand, when it says inn here, it is not talking about the holiday inn, all right? It's not talking about the day's inn or comfort inn or any other hotel or motel we think of today. Rather, this inn is referring more to a guest room. It would have been a, been a, a, a guest room at this time, which was very common. You can see that in Old Testament when the prophet Elijah would travel by a certain couple's house and the, 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 the lady of the house said, Listen, there's a prophet of God that keeps coming by our house. Let's make him a, a little chamber, as it says in 2 Kings. And that was like a guest room. You again to see that even in the New Testament when Jesus was with his disciples and about to partake in the Last Supper. He, he said, Go, go talk to the, to the master of the house and, and, and ask him where the guest chamber is. So they had guest rooms. They had like a garage apartment or a mother in law suite kind of thing, if you will. Okay? Uh, but that's what they had. They had guest rooms for out of town family when they were visit for them to stay and for them to sleep. And so as Joseph and Mary came back to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, because again of the taxation of the census, they came looking for room. But they wouldn't be looking for room from a complete stranger's house when they came back to town. Rather, they'd be coming looking for a guest chamber, be looking for, for a little room, from family's house. And so maybe they came to Uncle Eddie's house and say, Uncle Eddie. No, his name's not Eddie, but let's make it up, all right? Uncle Eddie, do you have any room for, for me and Mary? We, we, we need a place to stay. No, sorry, nephew. We're booked, man. We, we're full. Your other cousin made it before you. I'm so sorry. Uh, go check down the road. He goes down to check with another uncle. Uncle Bubba, you got any room for us? No, sorry, nephew. I got no room. You can go check with, I'm sorry, but go check with Cousin Clyde. You might have a room there because nobody wants to stay with Clyde, you know. He so goes to check with another family member, but even the room that Clyde had is full. There's no room for him. So time after time, house after house, they went looking for a room. Couldn't find one. And so house after house, rejection After rejection, those people that had no room, please listen, missed him. They missed out on Jesus Christ that first Christmas season. But I had to ask quickly, I had to ask a few questions of why. Why did they miss him and why do we miss him even now today? Why did they miss him in the first century? Why do we miss him today even in the 21st century? Well, number one, quickly, because of this. They missed him because, listen, they weren't looking. They weren't looking for Jesus. They missed him because they were not looking for him. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, here's what I mean. Understand our Bibles are made up of two divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament, of course, was written before Jesus was was born, before he came to earth. And the New Testament was written after Jesus went back to heaven. But in the Old Testament, there are, Many prophecies, I believe there's over 300 prophecies given, and the majority of those that are given are given concerning the birth, life, death, resurrection of the Messiah, of Christ, which is Jesus. So the majority of those prophecies are given concerning one one man. And by the way, every single one was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And someone, some mathematician figured it up one day that for those prophecies to be fulfilled, just one in eight prophecies being fulfilled is one with 17 zeros followed after that. I don't know what number that is. Uh, But someone to fulfill one out of 48 prophecies, that means that's one in 10 to the 157th power of a chance that could happen. But over 300 prophecies being fulfilled to a T. Understand something, only God, Only God can do that. So the details of this prophecy being fulfilled, listen, is another proof that your Bible, that my Bible, our Bible, is the inspired word of God. Because only God can know what's foretold and foreknown and accomplished all that was written of himself. This is God's word. I'm thankful. You can trust your Bible. But understand in the Old Testament many at this time would have had at least access to it either through family members or through the priests, through the scribes, through their local synagogue. Uh, they would have heard of the con- coming Messiah. Uh, maybe they have heard of Micah 5.2 when it says, But thou Bethlehem, though there be little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is in, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. Maybe, no doubt, they knew this because it was concerning the coming Christ, the Messiah, which all of them would have been eager to meet and to know. No doubt they've heard this scripture. But where is it being fulfilled? Right here in Luke chapter number 2. Again, no doubt they would have heard of Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Where is that being fulfilled? Luke chapter Number two, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Again, when is this being fulfilled? Here in Luke chapter number two. So though we look at the Christmas story of being just, a couple thousand years old, understand, it goes far beyond just a couple thousands of years old. Way back into the Old Testament, there was this prophecy that he would come and listen. These Jews at this moment should have known these prophecies. And they should have been aware that this is the significance of what is going on as Joseph and Mary, who was great with child, and yet as a virgin, expecting her firstborn son. Now, you may be thinking, well, preacher, I think you're being kind of harsh on these people, uh, saying they weren't really looking for him. Well, maybe. But I'm also quite aware that there were others who were looking for the coming Messiah day in and day out. Because if you look further on in your your Bible there, in chapter 2 in the Scriptures, you will see a man by the name of Simeon. He was looking for the Messiah. And when he saw him, When he saw him, he immediately went over, took him into his arms, and praised the Lord for what his eyes had seen. Another one, Anna, was looking for him. You can see it in the next verse, following Simon was looking for the coming Messiah. She was looking. So that tells me there were folks who were looking, but listen, many were were not. Maybe they thought, well, one day, surely the Messiah will come one day, but you know, not in my lifetime. Well, in their lifetime, he did come. And they missed him. Just as, listen, just as Jesus came the first time and fulfilled all the prophecies concerning him in the Old Testament, he's going to come a second time and fulfill the promises that he has given in the New Testament. He will come again. But my question to you this morning is, are you looking for him? Understand the apostles in the first century, they were looking for Jesus to come during their lifetime and asking for it, praying for it. The Apostle John said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He was praying for it, looking for it, anticipating it because he knew he was coming. My question again is, are you looking for him this morning? Many in the first century missed him because they were not. Number two, how else did they miss him? Well, because again, there was no room. They didn't make room for them. And now we'd already kind of hit on this a little bit already, but understand if I knew, listen, if I knew when during this time period that family was coming back home, they were coming back to our hometown, all right, come back to Henderson County or Buncombe County or wherever you're from, anybody from Madison County? Don't, 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 I'm just kidding. Anyway, but anyway, come back home, okay? If I knew family was coming back home to Henderson County, I'm going to do listen, I'm going to do my dead level best. I'm going to try my best for that family coming home to find somewhere else to stay. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, no, no. But I'm going to try my best to help them, especially if they're a greatwood child, right? I'm going to try to make room. I'm going to say, "Hey, look, all of us, all four of us going to pile up. In our room, in our bed, and you can have the girls' room, right? Uh, you, you can, we got room for you. We're going to make it happen. But they missed them because nobody was willing to do that. They pushed aside. They rejected. They they pushed them on down the road because there was no room for the Lord. Let me ask you this morning: Is there room for Jesus in your life? Now I'm not talking about when it's convenient. I'm not talking about it when you just need him. When you're going through a crisis and trouble and you finally call upon the Lord. I ain't talking about just that that time. Is there room for Jesus now? In your life, things are going pretty good. But is there still room? I I fear too many people during this time time period of Christmas miss out on Jesus because they don't make enough room for him. They miss it. They miss out on, on the Lord. Let me ask you, is there room in your life, is there room in your home, is there room in your marriage, room in your job, room in, your, in the life of your children, is there room for, for the Lord? If not, why not? And if not, has it made things better or worse? If I had to guess. It's probably made things worse because anytime we leave Jesus out of our lives, it don't get better gets worse so why did they miss them well there was no room lastly here's why they missed them again they missed them because no doubt they got busy <laughs> does anybody anybody get busy during christmas time Any, anybody all right uh, You get busy when family's coming over right you you, you, you want to make sure everything's straight in order all the clothes are picked up the kids rooms are perfect and tidy and you get to rejoice in that for all of about seven seconds right but you want everything perfect. And so you're busy making things perfect and nice because family's coming over. I mean, they don't even like us, but we've got to impress them anyway, you know. So they're coming over. Make everything nice. We were busy with that. Or who here cooks for Christmas? Anybody like cooking? I like cooking too. And no doubt we're, we're going we're to do something. We're gonna, we'll have some uh, smoked ham and maybe a turkey. Maybe, I don't know, we'll do something, all right. But I, I enjoy cooking, but it's busy to cook for family. A lot of folks, It's You're busy. So, I can imagine as families coming back home, they were busy. Because this whole taxation went throughout the whole region. It wasn't just, just that one part, it was the, the whole region of, of the Roman Empire. So, everybody knew family was coming, and they got busy. And in, in all the busyness that they were going through, no doubt they missed them. They were focused on lesser things. I'm reminded of. Mary and Martha in the New Testament in Luke chapter number 2, I'm sorry, Luke chapter number 10 in verse 38 when it says, Now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, him mean Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me alone? I bid her therefore that she come help me. And Jesus answered and said unto Martha, 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 thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let me ask you a question, was what Martha was doing, being a gracious host and preparing, uh, no doubt, uh, food at this time, probably preparing food for Jesus and the disciples. She's in the kitchen uh, cu- the kitchen. <laughs> kitchen cooking. Yeah, there you go. In the kitchen cooking and probably frying up some fried chicken, making some great mashed potatoes with some homemade gravy to go with it, mac and cheese, green beans, and peanut butter. Uh, no, just kidding. But whatever she was doing, she was making a feast, making a meal, Uh, for Jesus and disciples, being a gracious host. Is that a good thing, yes or no? Yes, all right. It is a good thing to be a gracious host. However, in the midst of her busyness, she got frustrated. In the midst of her serving, she she was just anxious and overcome with all she had to do and started questioning the Lord and even demanded of Jesus that she command her sister to come help. (laughs) And though she was doing some good things, By serving, Mary, listen, she chose that good thing. In the midst of her busyness, that is Martha's busyness, she allowed that to choke out the best thing. What she was doing was good. Don't get me wrong. But she allowed it to choke out what was best. And because of that, she missed out on what Mary was doing. By just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus and just being in the presence of God. Too many times, I fear we get so busy in our lives, especially this time of year, they don't take the time on purpose to sit at the feet of Jesus and just enjoy his presence. Don't miss him this year because you're just so busy. Take time on purpose. You've got to do it on purpose. It ain't going to by accident fall on your lap to spend time with Jesus because, listen, if the devil can't make you a bad person, he's going to make you a busy person, all right? So you've got to do it on purpose. The sit, sit time aside. This is when I'm going to sit with Jesus. I'm going to be with Jesus because I don't want to miss him through all the craziness that even comes this time of year. Don't miss him. Do not miss him. Jesus, this Christmas season. Don't get so busy with the season that you miss the entire reason behind the season. That's not just some cute cliche phrase we say as Christians. It should be a great reminder of why we do what we do this time of year. It's all for Jesus. Don't miss him. So in the midst of your business, don't miss him. In in the midst of everything we're doing, continue looking for him. He's he's coming one day. I'm telling you. Don't miss him. Don't miss why he came either. The whole reason Jesus came was not just not just to be born in a feeding trough. That's what the stable was. All right. Not just be born as a little baby. No, he came to take on the form of servant Take on flesh. Walk among us. The Bible says, in, in Hebrews the tabernacle among us too, to basically he set his tent up beside ours to be with us, so that he would live a perfect, sinless life and be the perfect substitutionary sacrifice for all of mankind. That's the whole reason. To die for you, and for you, and for you. Be buried in a grave for you, and for you, and for you. But three days later, rise from the grave for you, and for you, and for you. Why? To give us life, and life abundant. And that life is found only in Jesus Christ, nothing else. You won't find it in the church. You won't find it in in, in baptism. You won't find it in anything else but Jesus only. He made that plain, John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the only way. So don't get so enamored with everything else that you miss the whole purpose of why Jesus came in the first place to save you, to save me. So this morning, are you saved? Have you, by faith, trusted Jesus as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life that you look back to and say, yes, that is the time that I called upon Jesus to save me, realizing my need of the Savior, and I asked him to save me. Has there been a time like that? If not, you're in a great place to do that. He wants to save you more than you want to be saved. He'll save you. The Bible promises, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's great simplicity in Christ. I'm thankful for that. So so much simplicity that even a little child can understand their need of Jesus and call upon them to be saved. You can do that too. So if you're here this morning you've never done that, do it. I would love to take more time with you and share more time with you how you can know Jesus. If you'll let me have that privilege. Can he be available as well? We have other ladies with Bibles that can help you understand that more as well. We want to help you. Don't miss him. Don't miss Jesus.